0: Now let's listen to a great program. I'm going to introduce to you our speaker. She is Shannon Hartley Austin. She is a local girl. She's she's going to tell you a story of how she went off to school and may have wandered. Not, Not a new part of anybody's story, huh? but how the beautiful story of her personal testimony how she came back into the faith and to love of the lord how she met her husband stephen how they had four children how she got a degree in psychology and works to help veterans with their problems and most recently she got certified in equine therapy may i introduce to you shannon and we are going to sing and pray over her, the team for all
1: to talk about today, um, I appreciated that prayer to inter- to intervene with anything negative that wants to come in the room. You know, they everybody warned me, like, oh, my aunt, who's like my, she's my mom's twin. I'll speak a little bit about her a little bit later, but she, um, let me make sure I'm watching at the time. Okay. So my aunt, um, she is like my my mom's twin. She's like my mom. She's like, she's a godmother. She's a grandmother. She's a spiritual advisor. She's a sister. She's like all those names. She's like a girl. And like the evil's gonna try to, you know, like, get in the way, and I was like, so Wednesday I wasn't feeling good, and I'm like, I'm gonna be fine, because I'm speaking on Saturday, and then last night, my four-year-old, the reason my husband's not here is because my, we have four kids, and my four-year-old, um, started coming down, oh, my head hurts, my throat hurts, you know, and then she's kind of running a fever, she's a little cuny, so, um, Steven stayed home with her, and, but I was up in the night with her, And y'all, it'd be cool knowing what you know about what the Lord, you know, he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, right? So there I am in the middle of the night, and I'm like, "You you ain't gonna win. You ain't gonna win. I know, this is just a little trial, I don't feel good, she needs to be quiet, Can somebody shut those cats up? Guardian Angel, please, do you do that? Do you shut up cats? Somebody help me. I can get it. You know, I'm going to start meditating on some mystery somewhere and then finally I fall asleep. Thank you, Lord. Right, so here we are. So I feel like we need a little extra protection. Um, I love Father Blunt, I don't know if anybody, I know some of y'all on mm-hmm. YouTube follow him he's a priest and an exorcist and i've learned a lot from him he is so passionate he is for my protestant veterans when i share videos and things with them to inspire them i'm like this priest is like a protestant minister amen right like, and they're like amen and i'm like yeah you know he's like, he's being like, thank you <laughs> 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 all right so unity prayer y'all flame of love right so Jesus um, promised, he gave this to Elizabeth Kindleman sometime in the last century, in the 20th century, and he promised that when we pray this prayer, he will come down from heaven and blind Satan to where we are or for whomever we pray it for. So we're going to pray that right now. Is that okay? Because we want extra, we want an umbrella, even bigger than we've already prayed, which can't even imagine, but hey, can't hurt my health. All right. So the unity prayer. I'll say, you just say it after me. Ready? My adorable Jesus. My adorable Jesus. May our feet journey together. May our feet journey together. May our hands gather in unity. May our hands gather in unity. May our hearts beat in unison. May our hearts beat
0: in unison.
1: May our souls be in harmony. May our souls be in harmony. May our thoughts be as one. May our thoughts be as one. May our ears listen to the silence together. May our ears
0: listen to the silence together.
1: May our glances profoundly penetrate each other.
0: May our glances profoundly penetrate each
1: other. May our lips pray together to gain mercy from the eternal Father. May our lips pray together to gain mercy from the eternal Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay. Yay. Okay. That's one down. All right, so um, kind of three levels of what I'm gonna talk about. How life kind of shaped me, I guess that kind of goes through the whole talk. Um, how he, um, how I helped or hinder his plan, and how he showed up even when I didn't, and um, kind of for what he made me, maybe. I don't know, I'm still trying to figure that out, y'all. All right, so, um, how did it, where did it all begin? My uh, dad, my father, uh, Fred, he went to. He and my mom met, and um, I guess maybe like 1968, and went to. He went to Vietnam in 1970, and my mom said she. I still have a picture of in his uniform. Very handsome man. Um, they were a handsome couple. Under her pillow was the picture of my dad, and she would pray every night that he would come home, and he did. And he. he they got married in '72. I was born in '74. Um, I'm their only child. And as men did when they came back in Vietnam, they came back different, right? So um, he was not the man she met and loved and married before, you know, before he went to Vietnam. But still, um, thankfully, her strong Catholic faith. I was baptized down at St. Agnes on Jefferson Highway. Um, And I had a very strong, her family, when you hear me talk about my family, I just mean my mom's family. Right. Not that my dad's people don't count, but I'm, they're not Catholic, not that there's anything wrong with that, but we're, we're not really connected to them, they never really were a part of my life. So um, thank thanks be to God um, for that Catholic foundation my mom had. She was one of eight, and a twin, so my grandma had three, and then two, and then three more. And I remember one day I said, Grandma, why do you have so many kids, and she said, baby. I love babies, and your grandpa loved me.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, um,
1: and so fast forward, remember that, because that kind of came to my mind after I had my fourth kid, it was really kind of funny. But anyway, so um, let me stay on track. My dad left my mom, so now he was the love of her life um, until the day she died. She's been gone since 2011. But um, he left her for some other woman. My, his sister would swear she possessed him and, you know, maybe she did Anyway, I don't know. Something was not going right. Mm-hmm. So he left my mom and um, we moved in. Really where my life took a turn for the better was when we moved in with my grandparents on Heloise. And I have a memory of being a little, being, I was about four, and I remember my little chunky legs. And how do you, do I really remember this? But her, her it's her face looking down on me, smiling. Open the door opened. I, I Amen. So beautiful time in my life. So living with Grandma, she was clearly a matriarch and like a second mom, and she was my foundation for my faith. You know, my mom was a practitioner, but my my grandmother, she died when she died. She was a uh, third order Carmelite. Um, she really um, lived her faith. And so living there, um, I had a community. I didn't know there was anything other than Catholic, y'all. <laughs> probably very probably. Too long, you know. Nothing's anything wrong with that either. But um, I went to St. Catherine, and I was in the choir. I don't have a beautiful solo voice, but I can sing in a choir, and that was such a beautiful, a wonderful experience to be able to know the hymns and to learn how to worship and pray and all that um, in that way. And it just it was lovely. I walked to Sal's, worked at Sal's, snowballs. Um, my best friend lived across the street. Uh, Miss Vivanix, Linda, she's over at St. Catherine. Miss Linda's kind of like an auxiliary godmother. I got ready for my wedding at her house. I mean, we, we don't really we have one grandparent left, and my mother in law lives in Alabama, but when we needed a grandma, Miss Linda would show up, you know, like grandparents saying that kind of thing. So it, just this foundation was really amazing, and that's how I felt about it. My mom was not so happy to be living with her mama. Not. <laughs> Um, And um, I don't know, my grandma really wanted us there. I mean, I think she never told me that, but I mean, like, really, how hard is it to have a grown child with a child move into your house? And so um, this was a huge house. It was built for my grandparents, for them and their eight kids. And so now, you know, fast forward a little bit, my grandfather dies. It's just my grandma, my mom, and me in the middle, little quiet me. So I'm rattling around in the house, and it really, um, whatever happened in my mom's life, um, she was known to be beautiful and smart and good with people, and she was really good with numbers, I totally didn't inherit that, I joked about that already. Um, so, it organized, I didn't get that either. But anyway, um, so I'm trying to stay on track, right? Um, the Whatever darkness, Took over her, right? That depression. And um, when I look back on my childhood, I had this beautiful childhood and there's a haze over it, partly because of the sadness of it was like the sadness I had with her. And um, I think diamonds are made under pressure. So I don't regret that, but I still hold that, you know. And I think it informs kind of how I am with people and in my practice and who he getting ahead of myself, kind of like maybe who he made me to be. Um, but my mom stayed in her room, right? So big house. She doesn't want to be by my grandma because she doesn't want to be there, I guess. Um, and so my, when I think of my mom, I see the back of her head. Like when you walked into her room, her vanity was right here. She used to refinish furniture. She was really talented. She would be sitting at her vanity and watching her television. And so I would come in and I would Sit on her bed and we would kind of hang out together, but there wasn't—we weren't together, you know. Like she loved me, and she sacrificed for me, and she made sure that I had everything I needed, and she was amazing and beautiful and wonderful. And in some ways, she kind of seemed to like—I don't want to say worship me—but I was the best thing she ever did, and I, I was perfect. And y'all, we get to that. I was not perfect, so. Um, but, you know, she coped with all of her stress by drinking. Her nickname was Turkey, as in wild turkey.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. So she had that nickname before I was even born. Um, and uh, that, I don't know when the drinking started, but it never stopped. So um, I kept, you know, that, that almost caught me. I'll get to that in a second. But um, I'm getting ahead of myself. Look, see, I told you I had a lot of cards, but I was going to kind of fly through it. Yeah. So, the trick being, the problem being, she was in her room doing her thing and I was perfect so then I must just be able to run my life. And I did. I, she never had to help me with school. She never really directed me in anything. And I was, um, headstrong, y'all. So, um, part of, you know, going through school, got my sacraments, Catholic, you know, all that kind of stuff. We went to Mass regularly, thanks be to God, for a while anyway. Um, And she would go through these bouts of depression. And then I didn't understand depression. I knew I understood it through the eyes of a child and the child of a depressed mother. And um, I used to try to plead the depression out of her. Like, she'd be like, I'm so sorry we live here with your grandma and it's so terrible. And I'm like, this is amazing. Let me, and I would recount our blessings and how wonderful life was. And and I would, (laughs) I would be like, And look at what your siblings' kids are doing. I'm not doing any of that, right? So, um, of course, I then sort of like fell, tripped on my own words uh, a little bit later on. uh, Started getting into trouble, y'all. But I just, the the thing I did want to say that depression is a medical condition. And it's not something you can just get over. And it's not something you can just snap out of. And you're not lazy. And it's hard. And I know more about it now. And I try to help people have sympathy and empathy and um, get their feet under them if possible. But I could not, how many, how many psychologists does it take to change somebody? None, they have to want to change themselves, right? Um, and when your foundation is a brain fog and no energy and you're not sleeping or eating, you got no gas in your tank, and how can you really, you know, and then you had alcohol on top of it, which my mom was, and it was like frying the circuits, you know, so we kind of came up through that together, and I started seeking my freedom. She was very strict, right? The joke in the neighborhood was your mama didn't let you cross the street until you were 12. They were right. Um, well, around like 14, 15, my friend across the street, my best friend, who was a year older, was kind of dating an older guy, and we were going out on the weekends, and we were drinking and getting drunk. And then I started sneaking out, y'all. So I literally had keys made to my mom and my grandma's car. I like stole their keys, had spare keys made, so I didn't have to sneak in their room and get their keys. And whomever's car was left in the driveway, I would push it out of the driveway in the night, get it into the street, start it up, and go. There you go just saying. <laughs> Thank, thankfully the Lord took that creativity and drove it into something else and I'm not in prison. Yay! <laughs> praise the Lord, right? Um, yeah. So um, I didn't go out drinking actually in the night. This was like school nights and you no know, wonder I couldn't stay awake in state class. Anyway, this was like school nights and I'm out in Fat City dancing, y'all. I had a friend that could sneak out. My best friend, her daddy would patrol at night, right? I got nobody. I had two women like dead to the world with their air conditions on. They can't even hear me coming and going. But my best friend couldn't sneak out. So I had a friend who could Mm -hmm. and we would go and dance and come in right before mom was waking up to go to work and then like get up and go to school. Like through high school, y'all. It's It's why I can't remember anything now. Like all that partying and drinking. Anyway, so my, (laughs) when I was Thinking of when I was doing that, I thought we were, I was going to do a PowerPoint. I had a picture of a guardian angel. Y'all all be up. Like, because I mean, my poor guardian angel, I would go down to the French Quarter by myself and meet up with friends. I mean, like, stupid. And stuff that would get, straight up get you killed now. So, how did I make it? Not only my guardian angel, my mama always had a rosary in her hand. And y'all, one time I snuck out and I was sitting at the bar, not drinking, talking to my friend, the bartender. And I feel, and I turn around, and it's my mama. (laughs) I looked at my friend, I was like, Tracy, that's my mama. And his face was like, holy bleep. And, um, because I'm a teenager, y'all. Like, all kinds of trouble. So I, like, get up. I make it home. I flew home. She had to get my grandma's car. God bless her. Anyway, um, I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping in the bed by the time she rolls up. I drove so fast. Anyway, how did she know where I was? Mm-hmm. I still don't know to this day. But, grace of God. Anyway, so high school, my mom lost her job. And sometime, like, sophomore, junior year. And she dropped into a really deep depression. She stopped going to church. She stopped going to church, so I stopped going to church. You know, make, you got to make a teenager go to church a lot of times. I'm not Father Blunt. He love church. And he was, like, in church. And he was, like... I mean, he's gonna be a saint one day, you know. So, but that is not me anyway. So, um, we re- I really started getting lost, y'all. And, um, as you can tell, I was already kind of lost. But my grandma was steadfast, and she, uh, if you go to mass, you get a donut, right? And she would go to mass, I wasn't going to mass, but she would still bring me home a donut from Angelo's bakery. And, um, that stuck with me, y'all. Like, that it was like grace, you know, it was like love, like girl, you don't deserve this, but here's the difference anyway. So, it's like a foretaste, right? Um, the Lord was always there going, come on, girl, come on. <laughs> we going to make it, right? So how did I help or hinder his plan? Um, you can hear how I'm tripping already. <laughs> um, and I, there were clues to, like, what he, what he wanted me to do in life, right? So um, people I did not know would walk up to me. Can y'all hear me okay? I'm kind of like this. You no, know, it's okay. <laughs> People would walk up to me I didn't know and tell me things they'd never told anybody. Um, When I was in graduate school, I had a woman come up to me. There was this bakery. It's fascinating. I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's on a cross-section where Birmingham meets Mountain Brook, which is kind of like Old Metairie. Um, So you had literally the spectrum of people who would come in, and that's where I would go study. I had this woman walk in one day, and she looked at me, and she sat down and studied. She sat down and she said, I need somebody to live with me. And I said, okay, I have some place to live. And she was like, no, no, I need somebody to live with me. And I was like, okay, I'll ask around and see if I know anyone who needs a roommate. And she's older, like shock of silver and white hair, right? So she's, um, I think at the time she was like in her 70s maybe. She said, no, no, I'm having hip replacement surgery. And I don't have any, I can't rely on my family. And I need someone to stay with me while I heal. And I looked at her, and it was like blink, blink, and I said I'm going to consider this because I know you can trust me and God forbid you would ask somebody else and you couldn't. So let me think about it. And then we met for dinner and I agreed to live with her, I actually lived with her twice when she had both hips done. So I mean like but how, rant, like what is, what is, is that? Like people just would come up to me, I used to say I wanted to be a politician, Mm-mm, right? Um, I didn't know. That was like me sensing that I wanted to make change and help people and, right? So it's like, but that's what he built me for. And he's kind of coming out in these ideas and not going to college. I went to UNO, University of New Orleans. Y'all, He said, I didn't know what I was doing. They had a bar on campus. I already told you about the drinking. Anyway. I lost a full tuition waiver, y'all. I mean, I was paying for college, and then, you know, if it was college, I was paying for it. I went to Mount Carmel, I skipped that. Did I tell you I went to Mount Carmel? Mount Carmel, amazing. Total foundation, really helped me get strong to go into school, because otherwise my mind was like, whatever, you'll figure it out in your own time, which was gonna be the long, hard way, because that's how I roll. Anyway, hard head, I told you. Maybe I didn't, but hard head. So, college, I, I, english i don't know you know two three years in bar on campus not just totally not finding direction not going to church i'm not praying um i know he's on my side he's there he's just waiting right he's like you know that picture of jesus um outside the door of the cottage and he's like (laughs) you know and there's no doorknob right he's just waiting so you know still hadn't opened the door one day uh, so I'm in the theater class. This is one way he saved me. I was uh, going through this preparation. I was like, oh, you are
0: so good.
1: Anyway, um, you, know, you come to things, you're like, oh, I didn't realize that. So I, um, I was in theater class and I auditioned. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. I was very excited. I did theater. and Right, right? Isn't that perfect? Dramatic foreshadowing. Anyway. Um, I did theater in high school and it was fun. And I used to be shy and then I was outgoing. So that was jam. I was good, you know, I'm built for that. And so I go and I audition. And I just kind of interestingly sort of channeled this. I had nothing prepared, but I just, I channeled this internal sadness that I had been like storing up, and like bore it out there. And I was like, I betcha, I did good. It felt good, right? I was like, that felt really authentic. So I go over the callback list, and I read it, and my name's not on it. I literally read, like I took my finger and I went down every name. And y'all, don't you know my guardian angel was like, as I was reading down because I went to class the next you know next week and my classmate was like why didn't you come to callbacks and I'm like why well, didn't make it he's like yes you did so like the Lord had blinded me to my name on the callback list because I wasn't supposed to go that way you know it's like when when I'm walking with my four-year-old and I'm standing in the in the sunlight so it doesn't get in her eyes and she just think it feels good but I'm the one who's offering you know um Lord is so good. All right, so uh, then I took my first psychology course. y'all know I'm a psychologist. you can tell where the story's gonna go, right? So um, it felt right. Finally, you know it was it made sense. and I went from being lazy to being studious and the smart person that the Lord built me to be, I actually was then being that smart person and I was like, oh, it was like a whole new minute. And so I'm like, well, what do I do now? I've got this degree in psychology. Um, what do I do next? And I had two really great professors who were clinical neuropsychologists. So those are the, they get the specialty training for, like, you got a brain injury or you've got, like, something going on with your brains. Like, when, if, I never was diagnosed with ADHD, y'all, but I'm just saying, you know. Um, I should have gone, I would have gone to a clinical neuropsychologist and they would have done the testing and been like, girl, you are ADHD. But anyway, that's my therapy session. So I'd always felt his hand on my back. I just kind of went with the flow. It was like, oh, I just need to go to graduate school. Thank thank the Lord. I did not know any better because graduate school was not cool for me. Um, so I had all this energy. Uh, oh, both those professors, one went to Gainesville, one went to um, Birmingham. I applied to those schools. I applied to LSU too. LSU didn't want anything to do with me. Got interviews at Gainesville and Birmingham and matched in Birmingham. So everybody's like, girl, why are you going to Birmingham? I was like, cause that's where graduate school is. It's so great, you know? And I mean, once I got to Birmingham, I was like, oh, now I know why they like, no offense if anybody is from Birmingham or loves Birmingham, but I I do not, okay. And um, And I understood once I got there why people were like, Why why are you leaving here? Because here is amazing. Um, So I had all this energy and passion. This was like August of 1998. So I'm like 24, 25. um, I'm ready to go to Birmingham. I had this boyfriend who was really great on paper. And it became clear that we were not meant to be together. And so I broke up with him. He was like, well, I'm going to Birmingham anyway. And because he had family there. And we ended up living across the hall from each other. Is very very bad in this story so all of his negativity he comes he's controlling he doesn't want to like we broke up but it's like we're still dating and he doesn't want me to hang out with my classmates he doesn't want me to study this is really not going well right and in a parallel universe down here in New Orleans my grandmother gets diagnosed with ovarian cancer so we're um, I've got this like unstable man oppressing me and then my, you know one of the loves of my life you know with a dramatic um, illness so postgraduate school which is a whole nother level y'all because everybody's smart graduate school and you're not that smart mm-hmm. i'm not that smart I'm not, I'm not smart like that anyway so fast forward or just stay on traction i feel like i'm out of time um that's fall of 98. <sighs> And it was, I was coming back and forth to New Orleans, and she had surgery at Thanksgiving, and um, to have the tumor removed. And I'll walk in, and I was like, Grandma, all right, what do you think? And she goes, well, I don't know, nobody's told me anything. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this is what the surgeon said. So there I was, the Lord, I feel like the Lord put me there to be a voice who she knew and loved to tell her what had happened in this surgery, you know, and how the the cancer, he got everything he could, but he couldn't get it all and it had spread. And so then she and I were just there together in that moment. Um, And then I go back to graduate school with unstable boyfriend across the hall. Um, And it was about right before Christmas and I was trying to study and he wouldn't let me study and he was telling me he was gonna kill himself. And I couldn't leave because he was going to kill himself. And I didn't make it to class. And um, I think my guardian angel went to one of my classmate's guardian angels and was like, call her. So she called me, she's like, girl, why'd you miss? And I was like, I'm in the bathroom hiding with the phone. Because I'd been trying to sneak and use the phone to like, call who, call who to help me out? I didn't even know. And I said, tell Dr. Cook it's not good. So Dr. Cook, one of my angels, one of my professors, um, he calls me, and through a series of like covert yes-no questions, ascertains that I am safe, I need help. Do I want him to send the police? Yes. So the cops come, knock on the door, boom, 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 and I'm like, boom, 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 boom you know, like, <laughs> I'm not going to church, I'm not praying, y'all, right? So I'm like, in this by myself, it felt like. And he opens the door, his face drops. He turns into the guy, the nice guy on paper, and they take him outside to talk to him they come back in they were like he says he's fine there's nothing we can do and I was like oh. so they leave and he shuts the door and he looks at me and he goes now I'm really gonna kill myself and I looked at him and I said good go ahead I dare you." Ya. now y'all that's not how you're supposed to respond I mean, I'm just saying <laughs> um, but like I I just flipped, and he started to weep. And I packed his crumbling body up in the car, and I drove home at 90 miles an hour, dropped him off at his mama's house, found his mama, told her what had been happening, and the whole time she's looking down her nose at me like this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Thank you for telling me. We'll i never talk to any of them again. God, is good. Anyway, all right, so that's December, y'all. That kind of stuff takes gas out of your tank, right? And I wasn't filling the tank back up. I'm only siphoning out, right? I'm, I've got no spiritual life. I'm not, I've got no, there's nothing filling me back up. And then uh, my, my grandmother at Easter of that year, um, started her health started failing really strong chemotherapy you know we're really not that smart that we you get sick we give you an antibiotic it kills all the bacteria in your body we give you chemotherapy it kills you before the cancer does grandma's health started to fail so it's the week of spring break god's timing is amazing and he put me in the perfect place to be with her for that last period in her life and i moved into the the hospital and i stayed 24/7 and i brushed her teeth and i took care of her sweet face and in the middle of the night my classmate who was the nurse on on duty was like baby wake up your mama your grandma your mama that's funny they used to call her my mama then meet her daughter because we were I was like her ninth kid your grandma passed away and y'all I'm built for a crisis I'm like all right let's do this I've got my call list mom come boom, aunt 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 from uncle uncle come, you know call everybody boom 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 and what was so beautiful her daughters come in and they surround her and they groom her, they fix her hair. My grandmother was always very beautiful and proud and how she, her appearance, and um, she loved clothes. I was just in Dillard's the other day and uh, I was like, oh, I see Grandma in all this beautiful clothes. And she was buried in a brown habit and in a in and in a box. She said, I had my glory in life and I want to go. I don't need all of those adornments, but to see her daughters take care of her and put her makeup on um, right after she passed. And then I, I was like, all right, got to plan this funeral. Y'all, I'm the grandchild, right? And I'm like, we're going to handle this. And I was like, you coming, you coming, whatever. I didn't care who came. I was handling it with, I don't know, by the grace of God, really, right? I mean, he's always been there. Um, but then I went back to graduate school and just hit the dirt. I mean, just no gas no light, no, I'm going to church occasionally, right? Um, I'm looking, I'm looking for love, I want friendship. Birmingham is terrible for me, I'm an older woman, which (laughs) y'all, in your late 20s you're older in Birmingham if you're not married with kids. Plus I was in school like, to get an advanced degree and I just didn't fit. And so I just, you know, I'm looking at mass, I want to find a Catholic, I know I want to find a Catholic man, right? I'm not, you know, nobody's making eye contact, I'm like, ah. and then nothing's working. I experienced what I think really was my first depressive episode. Um, I never hit despair that I wanted to end my life, but I knew what it felt like to not have the will to get up and move. But I still had to finish graduate school. Y'all, there's a timeline, that clock is ticking, not just your beautiful watch, but the clock is ticking. So um, I am not doing a good job. I'm drinking, still not excessively, but excessively. I'm binging, that's what they call it, right? It's not like daily, but when I do, look out. Um, not not living a good life, not taking care of myself, that is five years of my life. Because when you go in, you first year you don't do anything in research, and then you need to do a master's thesis that takes two years, and I had not the best supervisor we matched incorrectly with that we start one project that doesn't work we start another project it doesn't work that's three years we finally start the right project two years it takes to finish a master's thesis. So by that point in time um, you know it I was done and I was like I quit I'm so excited I'm quitting I'm quitting ah! what do you do with a master's degree in psychology? nothing y'all. Mm-hmm. Nothing in psychology anyway, but I was done, and everybody was like, oh, you always take control of the situation, Shannon, and you always make the best decision. Like, were they there? They were there, but like, they were just like, okay, you always choose, and you go ahead. Two people in my life were like, you have lost your mind. One of them was the director of my program. He was like, don't quit. (laughs) We put too much money and time into you. And the other one was like, you really have a gift in this, and you're crazy if you leave. And so my director offered me to take a leave, and this is where it's going to get good, y'all. He offered me to take a leave, and I was like, okay, I can, three months is all I need. I don't need a whole year, I'll I'll let you know. I started searching, I did this support group for people going through transitions, and um, the lady directed me to this uh, sort of like personal, like if y'all have heard of the Enneagram. I don't know if that's not okay with Catholic or not, you know, I did the Enneagram, just like, I'm this way, I'm that way, I'm this way, I'm that way. It's almost like the Myers-Briggs, like the personality questionnaire. But it, the answers gave me words to, to describe what I had just been through. And having words to put to my experience gave me ground under my feet to stand on. And it helped begin to shape me. And I started, I was like, okay, I need to go, I really don't like disappointing people. And I need to go seek forgiveness from the people I've really let down. And... On this one notable day, I was um, in my in Dana's office, and I'm telling her I'm sorry, and I'm just not doing. i you know, blah blah blah. Please forgive me. And I leave, and I feel like I can't breathe, and I'm suffocating, and I and I just I didn't know what to do. Of course, I didn't go to church to seek. You know, I didn't find a chapel, an adoration chapel, um, which I would now. But I went home, and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I take a hot shower, and I'm. I'm trying to, like, break this and breathe, and what is this? And I said, God, out loud, God, I need your help. And in a flash, I saw everything that had happened, and how it had gone wrong, and who he put in my life, Dr. Martin, to hold my hand, to get me through to the end of that thesis. And, and like, I saw it like that, right? And I was like, oh, what do I do now? And what I heard was, go back to school. And when you're ready, the next step will be there. And I was like, okie dokie, gotta go back to school. So I did. He put another amazing professor in my life um, and got me through that dissertation, because that's two more years, y'all. And I made it. So end of, this is like 2004, you apply for internships and um, I had been an adult psychologist the whole time. I'd done a little child work, pediatrics, like kids with cancer and things like that. And I really loved being in the hospital. And that was with kids. And so all of a sudden, at the very end of my training, I'm like, I'm going to be a child psychologist. <laughs> Just crazy, y'all. Um, and the Lord must have been like, okay, I'm going to make good out of this, girl. But come on, you know, you got to stick your finger in it. So I match at a small internship for child psychology because you can't be an adult, you can't train an adult and then get a really strong child psychology internship. It just doesn't work that way. Um, But it was a perfect match for me. So that's, um, I find out in February of 2005, you know 2005 was a big year for this area, right? But I'm in Birmingham, my mom's still down here. The sun started shining on my life because who did I meet? I'm at the gym one day. And I feel, not literally, right, but that kind of spiritual, I say it was my grandma. She was like, and those, those like, um, assist machines, uh, he's up there. <laughs> literally, Stephen Jared Austin is up there on the machine, and I look, and I'm like, so familiar. You know, I'd never met him in my life, right? So, but, you know, so, um, we keep on running into each other. It takes forever for him to ask me on a date. But he finally did, y'all. That was march twenty fifth, two thousand and five. And um we were really off and on. Like when we were together, it was like fire. And I was like, Oh, he really likes me, I really like him, you know, like check yes or no. It was like, Yes, yes, yes. But then I couldn't get him to like go out with me more often or I'm like, What he just do a- I not really like me. home. what's going weird. It's like my best friend, who actually, one of my best friends of graduate school stood in my wedding. Um, I was like, I don't know what to do with this guy. I'm, I just don't know if we should be together. She's like, girl, I don't know either. But, you know. So one day, I used to, when I, I, I dated some whoppers, y'all. Like one of them, I, I've seen two guys I've dated in the past, their names on the news. I'm just saying. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I just—I'd give anybody a chance. Like one of them was, was stealing identities and put in jail. I
0: was like, that's
1: why we had that money. And one of them was um, allegedly trained the snipers that were um, in D.C. I don't know if you remember them, but um, yeah, yeah. So, good job, Shannon. Anyway, so I would one a couple of times I kind of asked, what about so and so? And y'all, I would hear, run. <laughs> I'm my guardian angel. No! And um, so I didn't want to ask because I didn't want to know the truth about Stephen because I liked him and I wanted it to be right. And so I said, what about Stephen? And what I heard was, just be patient. He's the one. And I was like, okay. So don't flake out, Shannon. (laughs) Like, I was listening to the story of um, St. Zelie and Louis, um, St. Therese's parents, and she was told that Louis was made for her and so i was like oh me too y'all pray for us anyway so we dated off and on he helps me move i live in ohio i lived in toledo for a year and then louisville for a year um i moved to toledo the week before katrina hit um started that year um, my mom was fine um we didn't she didn't lose where she was living thankfully and she kind of navigated through all that down here and uh, fast forward, Steven proposes to me right between Ohio and Kentucky, and I say yes, obviously, um, and I move home to, well, it's not home, moved to Birmingham and get my license in Alabama, and then we were married at St. Catherine of Siena in uh, December of 2007. So we brought all his people down. <laughs> um, he converted to Catholicism. He was Baptist, never baptized, but practicing and converted to Catholicism before we got married because he wanted us to raise our family. Y'all, he is like the foundation, right? I think I put that in my little write-up. I mean, he's like the backbone of really even my own faith. Uh, I just, I've just become such a strong Catholic because of him, right? And some of the coolest apologists we have in our faith are converts, right? Um, so, because they know the Bible in a way that, I, y'all, um, Bible New Year podcast. Father Mike Schmitz can be listened to for free on the Hallow app. Amazing, amazing. I'm stuck in Exodus. <laughs> I'm trying to get through it. I really, it's really amazing. But um, back to back to me for a second. Um, so, y'all, I chose our wedding day because I thought. Remember, I wasn't go to church that much. I thought that the the altar was going to be full of poinsettias, and that would be beautiful for my pictures. Um, girl, December 8th. There's no poinsettias on the altar. But you know what that date is that I didn't know Feast of the Immaculate Conception, right? Ball, ball, ball. All right, so life is going good, except we're in Birmingham and we're kind of going to church. We have our first child, Aurora, she's wonderful. Um, Stephen asks if I ever think about going home. And I was like, well, no, I'm a pragmatist to a fault. I'm like, your parents are here, we're here, mom's down there, you know, like life, you know, we're stable, no, I don't think about going home. But I was really sad that I wasn't gonna raise my kids here because there's not a whole lot of Catholic running around Birmingham and there's not a whole lot of Catholic education, which we all know is super critical, right? So um, my mom continued to be supportive. I'm watching the time, I think I have about 20 minutes. Um, my mom continued to be supportive, but she really was declining. You know, when I, I look back, I feel like once I, she knew that once I had Steven, she could kind of let go maybe, or something. Um, and it was 2011, and uh, I went to go visit her. Oh, we moved her up to Birmingham, finally. I managed to, come on, Mom, nothing's down here for you now. Katrina had blown the rest of the family to other parts of the country. And uh, it's time to come and be with your only child and your only grandchild, and the, the son-in-law that you really love. So she did. Anyway, so thanks thanks be to God because when I found her collapsed, she you know, like nobody would have found her, y'all. So I bring her to the hospital, the doc the ER doc's like, I've never seen labs so bad. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? He moves us to the ICU, my mom has lost consciousness. Um, I am there by myself, and this man walks in and he's just got this beautiful features and this brown wavy hair and he has on a white lab coat and it's got, he's got like a green emblem on it. And I remember looking at it and being like, was that like UAB? Like where's your badge? And he just kind of was standing there with this and he came in and he said, I just wanted to give you a little update on your mom and it gave me peace. But nobody else came in and he never came back and I never saw him again. So Maybe he was sent to help me out. I don't know, but it was a really beautiful blessing. And a chaplain who I knew, who was friends with from graduate school, I called him. Like, I'm in the hospital. My mom, he helped get a priest to come and give her last rites. And then, you know, it was really clear she just wasn't going to recover. She never came out of that um, stupor, that coma. And we were told, you really, just, you know, you could just take away any life-sustaining measures. She's not going to recover. And so, um, and she's gonna go fast when we stop the whatever she was on it's like, okay y'all that was april 27th of 2011 and there were some giant tornadoes heading right for us and so i'm watching the radar and my mom and and they pull they literally you know they stop all the equipment and i'm like okay i'm gonna pray a rosary really fast i knew to do that i didn't know about the divine mercy Chapel yet I get through that whole rosary. She's boop boop boop-boop, she's still living. Boop-boop. She didn't go fast. She just took her time. Sweet loving mom. And second rosary, and I'm done. And then we're just kinda waiting and hanging out and I'm watching the storm coming. And you can see it, and my mother-in-law's at home with my my toddler. And I'm like, okay, mom, listen, I love you. And I know you're not gonna get me better. And I really I need you to let go and and so that we we've got to get to Aurora I'm sorry and so she did she let go and um, I stayed with her for a few minutes they're like you need me more time I'm like no nope, she's not that's no nope, she's you know where if she's still here she's coming with me you know and they looked at me funny and I'm like and maybe that's irreverent y'all but I was like my mama's not in that body anymore I, you know so um, I'm grateful that I prayed those rosaries as she was passing um, meanwhile and not to like, and we buried her down here, and my my a family member gave her a wonderful eulogy, and and so I was, I'm kind of blazing through now because I want to cover some other things. I miss my mama, and I realize, you know, they they talk about the connection between the parents you had and whether or not you, your connection with God, or maybe I realized for the longest time, like I just didn't have the deepest connection, I and mean, I still don't have the same connection I want to have, and my brain goes, you want to have a really deep connection, um, and I'll talk about that in a second, but I think one of the distance, the distance between me and the Blessed Mother was that I didn't have a close connection with my mom in this sort of trusting way, so I've Donna Novena, Mary Undoer of Knox, you know, and um, she's working on that, and I'm grateful. Um, so, y'all, the Lord has just intervened in so many ways, like, Stephen's studying for the bar, I'm pregnant. Going down the stairs, we got to go get them from the library, of basement, right? Basement stairs, and that last step is a lulu, right? And so I'm holding Aurora on my hip, and the, the railing ends, and I forget that there's still two more steps, and I go to step, and there's nothing there, and my somebody, my guardian angel turned my body, and I landed, boom, on me. And not them y'all and nope the only body that was hurt was mine which is beautiful um right after that 38 weeks pregnant aurora gets bit in the face by a dog and it looked like Stephen's out of town Looked like he pulled out a piece of her face okay. and i had been rehearsing in my head where the local er was and we lived right there. so i like literally like had this muscle you know like in case something happened because you know whatever um poisonous steaks poisonous snake dog whatever so we get there and i say do we need to see a plastic surgeon and they hear we need to see a plastic surgeon and they send in this man he's like where are you from? I said I'm from Metterby. He said yeah yeah I was the director of plastic surgery at Oshner for like over a decade so the man who came to fix my beautiful baby's face and when you fix a lip if you don't fix it perfect you'll see it for the rest of their lives you would not know unless you get up on her and you see that right God is so good, y'all, right? He keeps on showing up for me, you know? And I'm not going to church that regularly still. I start coming, we move home, whoop, whoop, yeah. Buy a house on Ridgeway Drive, walk in, tour the house, get that fire, I'm like, this is it, buy it. You know, like, you just know when you get the fire, you're like, that's God going, yup. Start work at the VA, 2013. I kind of went a little bit, 2012. I hit one of Father Bo's homilies, y'all, 2013 and then it started getting really good i didn't want to miss a weekend i didn't want to miss a homily um so my spiritual life went into high gear thank you father Bo. i mean, you can't be here today and i'm saying a prayer for you um so y'all spring of 2013 i'm in city park and i with aurora and i feel like the clouds kind of park you know i've got two kids now right i've got Aurora and henry and what i hear is we need to have four children so everybody has somebody And i was like Okay. So I go home and I tell Steven, we need to have four kids. And he was like, thank God he was sitting down, y'all. He looked at me and he was like, I was like, I heard it. (laughs) And um, he was like, okay, I thought we were done. We have a girl and a boy. And then he just sat for a second. and He was like, okay. Right. So then Eva was born in 2014. I was 40, y'all. I had my first kid at 35, second at 37. Um, thanks be to God, I, you know, my grandma just said she loved having babies and she was built to have babies and apparently, you know, thank, thank you Lord, I, I haven't had trouble with my pregnancies and my births, um, so Henry was almost two. Oh, if I have time I'll tell you that story about him needing probiotics and how it helped him, um, but I started, I'm working at the VA, I've got three kids, I start listening to Catholic community radio. 690, y'all, Hung the move, right? So I've got Teresa Tomio on the way in. I've got Father John Ricardo at lunch, I've, and, and right? I mean, what, you know? Um, I've got Catholic Answers, and I'm just like, it's like feeding me. It's like people speaking my language, and my language is developing, and I'm sharing this when I can with my veterans, right? Because being a psychologist, y'all, there's not a whole lot of Catholic psychologists running around that are at least... Out of the closet i'll say right like closet <laughs> psychologist uh, catholic psychologist so um but i'm i'm feeling the i'm walking in i'm praying my rosary and i'm like i don't care who sees my rosary be brave and i'd see veterans they'd be like they would notice right it's like cool you know let's see and it would make connections and one day um on a commercial teresa tanya was like blah blah one day i asked the lord how he wanted me to pray and i was like oh hey how do you want me to pray? And so as I'm walking into work, right after I ask, I'm pulling my badge out, and it's on a chain, and y'all, all tied up in my badge is my rosary. Like, I couldn't even un... I would have needed Marion Dewar of Knots to get that out easily. And I laughed, I was like, because you know I'm stubborn, right? You really gotta tie it in there? Okay, I hear you. Rosary, I got it. You want me to free the rosary, okay. Um, so, you know, Stephen had just been, you know, he's always been a conservative Christian. And now he was a conservative Christian Catholic. And it gave me the foundation and the strength, the witness, um, the fortitude to begin to undo what psychology had done to me. Um, You know, being very open-minded and accepting of everyone, no matter what. Because there is no truth, right? Your truth is truth. Not like truth with capital T. And um, so I'm, I'm grateful for him because all those... All that listening I was doing and then his example really has moved me uh, into being the Catholic that I want to be and I think the Lord wants me to be. So got to give him credit for that. So um, I wanted to serve more at church and um, I was drawn to the extraordinary ministers of the Holy Eucharist. And um, so one day I mentioned to Miss Sandy, who's my neighbor's mom, Miss Sandy <coughs> and I was like, Miss Sandy, you know, I thought I, she said, come this way. She just drags me right over to Father Bell after Mass, and she's like, she wants to be a Eucharistic minister. And he was like, okay. And um, the training comes up, and Miss Kathy Daly calls me. And, uh, yeah, I love her so much. Anyway, she calls me, and she's like, and I didn't know her then. She was like, do you, um, I'm going to go to that training too. Can, can we ride together? I'll drive. And I was like, absolutely. Yeah, so she picks me up and we start talking or maybe i start talking i think she was just listening we get halfway to baton rouge and realize we made the wrong turn in albuquerque we should have been at saint charles bar mayo in destrahan <laughs> um so um, we laugh ha, ha, ha. i'm like well i guess we'll get there the lord wants us to get there you know and so we showed up we made our training you know and i started serving uh, at church i wasn't going into people's homes and um like i started oh So we became friends and um, when she had one of the relapses with cancer, we had brought her some food and when I walked into her house, I could feel, I could feel Catholic y'all. I was like, I know this home belongs to a Catholic person and you don't know that when you walk into my house and I want that to be different. And then I was like, Okay, I don't care what anybody thinks, right? So, hung the Immaculate and Sacred Hearts. Father Peter ultimately enthroned the house for us. Um, altar, you know, a little personal altar. Jesus, Mary, Joseph on every wall or a crucifix or something. Like, I know my kids' friends are like, some beautiful Catholic art. I would love to share with y'all. I'm not gonna find a way to like, share it. Cause I mean, some things like, my favorite picture of the Holy Family, if y'all look up Kristen Brown on Etsy, She does photographs of our Catholic lovelies and our holy family, too. And they look like um, watercolor. It's just amazing. So I want to say that. Um, So about five years ago, I think I have ten minutes. About five years ago, I heard Father God talking about divine mercy and that, like, and then I went did that whole, like, I, I was like, oh, lifetime confession. Okay, so I got the examination of conscience, and I got this legal-sized sheet of paper. And I'm writing every, start with the first commandment. I'm, like, writing everything I could ever think about that I've ever done in my whole life. And I flip the paper over, and I keep on going. And then I write the, the um, act of confession, act of contrition on the bottom. And I stand in line with my paper, and I get Father Patrick, y'all. He baptized okay. Mary. Um, Father Patrick. And I get there with that long sheet of paper, he goes, He's like, have you never confessed to me of that? I was like, oh, no, no, I've confessed most of it. He's like, just give me what still comes to your mind. And I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, I did that, and I did the Divine Mercy Sunday. And it was like, it was right around that time when I realized that Jesus and Mary, like, I believed in them, but they felt like a story to me, like something I had read about, because I had no real relationship with them, right? So I started asking the Holy Family help me know each other through their own eyes right so joseph i know y'all have heard that right joseph what tell me about mary help me know about jesus and you know the whole trifecta all three of them you know um and i was praying the rosary one day and i saw myself trip and fall and the blessed mother helped me up and show me how she wanted to present myself to the lord and the holy spirit started pulling me to veil and i just my, my aunt the aunt pam the glorious aunt pam she has always veiled, and i always thought like that's so religious <laughs> like whatever you, know, you just don't know but the holy spirit really was tugging on me and i started researching and it answer, asking the questions women ask when they're like do i veil? what does it mean is it look you know blah, blah 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 getting over what i thought other people would think and in december of 2017 at christmas i veiled um And then, surprise, the Lord um, gives us baby number four. Uh, I become pregnant around um, Ash Wednesday of um, 2018. And you know, I thought when he said four, I was like, did he mean four? Because I had miscarried my second pregnancy, because I have four. I've got one on heaven, one in heaven, three on earth. He's like, no girl, I mean four on earth. I was like, okay. So fast forward, Mary is born. And on a year anniversary, uh, on her first birthday, I was like, "We, we were married on December 8th when Mary told Bernadette she was the feast of the Immaculate Conception. She was the Immaculate Conception, and I didn't realize that. And you know, my, my girl's name is Mary Bernadette. Am I crazy? Anyway, God is so funny. He's so funny. Um, so I'm serving." Um, We got four now, y'all. I'm just trying to keep up. I was 44, working full-time as a psychologist. Um, I get diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease, um, which I've actually had for a decade, and nobody bothered telling me, because, you know, doctors don't know how to treat that, so they just don't test or tell you if you have it. If you want to know more about that, catch me later. I don't have time. Um, But, you know, I'm listening to Father Ripperger, Father Blunt, Father Awar, Father Altman, um, and they're just feeding me, y'all. And, I mean, of course... Father Bo, and you know Father Dan and Father Peter and you know all that Father Patrick loved him so much um, and I, I started wanting to I, I started feeling like I don't feel like I need to touch the Lord like and, it, and these videos were coming up and my aunt was sending me things you know and so I was like okay I don't I stopped serving uh, communion and I started receiving on the tongue. And then I was like, I really want to, remember, y'all, I feel like the Blessed Mother was like, do this, do this, do this. You know, glorify him. How can you glorify him even more? Um, show that he is worthy of all of this praise. I was like, I really think I need to kneel when I receive, but there's nothing to kneel on, y'all. And, you know, Father Ricardo's like, make sure you don't knock him on the floor. Like, we don't we don't want to risk Jesus being on the floor. If you can't get down and get back up again, don't do it. <laughs> and um, so I was like, I'm talking to Father Dan one day, and I'm like, do you ever think that we, somebody would, like, put a mealer around in case anybody wanted to, like, meal and receive and he He's like, mm, I don't know. And then what I heard was, girl, you got two good knees. And I was like, okay. So I was so nervous. I was so nervous. But I, you know, did my Hail Mary before communion. And I was like, all right, Blessed Mother, please be on this side. St. Joseph, please be on this side. Guardian angel behind me, Holy Spirit over me. Get me down and get me back up again without knocking the Lord on the floor, and we did it, y'all. We did it. Whoop, whoop. And once I developed that muscle, I can do it now, right? So I feel like I'm really, um, I feel like I'm really worshiping Him, and now, so now it's like, all right, ooh, I got five minutes. What did He build me for, y'all? Right? We're in that last section. All right. Well, I'm His daughter. I'm Stephen's wife. My vocation, right? I'm my children's mother. I'm your sister. I'm a psychologist. And um, the Lord, he just, like, I didn't realize it, but he put me through these trainings. There's that interpersonal psychotherapy for depression. We call that IPT, y'all. Anyway, it's really great for what he's moving me towards. And one of the things I learned in one of my trainings is that women women active duty service members are more likely to have unintended pregnancies, and we do not know the rates of abortion. Um, So we know that they have these wounds, um, and one thing I learned about in the, in the, in the form of combat, um, that when we do, in, in a combat scenario, when we fail to do something to prevent someone from getting hurt or reduce something that causes harm, there's something that's called moral injury. Right, it's like when we violate that moral code. Well, abortion creates a moral injury and it got me really interested in working in what I call reproductive trauma. And that's really helping women along the continuum from conception to postpartum and any losses or challenges in between and that IPT is a perfect fit because God is good. Um, so I've been doing that with women and I've actually worked with uh, one of our male veterans and um, then the equine therapy training came up y'all and it was like, I felt like the clouds parted and I was like, I could be a psychologist who works with horses and people, what? Um, And so I did this training, and um, it was amazing. The horses, I mean, what's Jesus going to come back on? A white stallion, right? Mm -hmm. So um, they're kind of special, and um, they really are. So when you get in the arena with the horse, so it's me and another person who knows horses, and then you're like oh i've got i've got this problem i need to work out you know like with this conflict at work and we go okay we'll go go see if you can figure that out and there's two three horses and you literally go and it's between you and the horses they're unbridled you don't get on them they're like people walking around and they they're like giant biofeedback service animals right And they what happened, I did a five minute session, just like for like training purposes, y'all, and I had a dramatic insight in five minutes that continues to help me like heal and move. So it's like really powerful and I wanna bring this to veterans, but I wanna bring it to people. I really just wanna bring it to whoever you want me to bring it to. I'm, I'm anxious a little bit, because I'm like, you know, I really felt positive when I wanted to quit graduate school and that was not right. I just wanna make sure that this was like, he wants me to do this equine thing. Um, I just, you know, my veterans say I'm the only doctor who has ever spoken to them about God. I'm like, wow, talking about putting the cart before the horse, huh? And so, it's like, I love working with my veterans. Y'all, I do not like the VA. They try really hard, but it's, we're so short staffed. It's so hard, and our veterans need, especially the ones who come in and really, like, come in and need, they need a lot. And um, I don't know if I'm built for it for the rest of my life, or for 10 more years, right? I got 10 years until I retire from VA, hypothetically. I don't know what the Lord wants, so I'm like, VA, Catholic, finally got licensed in Louisiana. I waited 10 years, because Louisiana has so many hoops. Because you could be licensed in Hawaii, and they don't care in the federal system. So two weeks ago on Friday, um, I was telling Donna I'd been dragging my feet, and I'd been mentioning to Aunt Pam, I'm like, I wonder what the Lord has. She'd been mentioning, like, have you finished your license? Have you finished your license? And um, I was like, I wonder what the Lord has in store for me. Like, what's his next thing on his plan? And she was like, get licensed. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And so then I did. Like, it took that, but I mean, it was like, she doesn't talk to me like that, y'all. It's really funny. I was like, all right, Lord, I hear you. So two weeks ago, um, I'm doing the oral exam. You sit before, you know, the board, and they talk. you talk about a case and blah, blah, blah. And I mention, because I'm trying to be bold and be Catholic, right? I mention my Catholic and my faith and how I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. Maybe it's something with my church. Maybe it's, you know, whatever. I don't know. Horses, cool, whatever. And so I pass. Thank you, Lord. Lots of people were praying. And as I'm walking out, the lady who was facilitating says, you mentioned that that thing you were interested in with the Catholic faith. Um, You know, the Archdiocese of New Orleans has psychologists do assessments of the men going into the seminary and there's not too many people who want to do that work it can be very interesting and y'all I love assessment you love me some love me some young men looking to go serve the lord and i looked at her and i was like wow that's crazy don't you know that i've been wondering who's the psychologist for the priests and she was like so anyway so i don't know all right archdiocese. i'm gonna call the archdiocese yes. One we had had at St. Camille would come in here yeah. work. Damn. Um, uh, the other one hooked up to on The other one was it was just amazing to sit with that. Oh and that's the archbishop was up on the stage and praising me. You know, it was oh. it was unbelievable. Oh God, it's so and,
0: good. And to look at every day, and I mean, there must have been another change, so. uh-huh. yeah. And to see every table. Yes. 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 Some will go
1: back to their country. Yes. Okay. To,
0: yeah. You will eventually. Yes.
1: That have, he got training there, but was told to come to a resident. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah, let me tell you. You just said that. Yeah. I love it. Thank yeah. you. It's yes. Because he, he's funny like that. He's like, wait, I'm gonna, you're going to have a conversation in a second. Just wait. Just be ready. Just be, have your eyes open, right? What he was saying. No, oh,
0: I, I know the audience
1: okay okay well maybe we'll talk later you know god willing right so so that's kind of that's the story and it really brings me to the end um you know my my bible verse malachi chapter 3 verse 3 which is he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver and i come across this little internet description of this women's study that um had they came across that passage and so this woman went to a silversmith and asked him to see like what that really meant and um, it's a really cool passage, I'm to tell you about it, but I have to ju- juxtapose it with I just went to a field trip to um, Renfest, Renaissance Festival, for my seventh grader that they take them, not on the weekend when it's all kinds of like pagan and bacchanalia, y'all. What? I would never take a family on a weekend, because what I saw just on the week was enough. But anyway, um, focus. Um, Malachi, chapter 3, verse two. there's a jewelry maker there. A couple weeks ago whenever it was and he's working in silver and I was like oh oh, hey there's a it, it, there's a biblical verse and it says he will sit as a refiner of purifier of silver right and that means that when you are working with silver you have to hold it in the fire but in the hottest part of the fire and it's got to stay there and you can't let it get too hot because it'll spoil and you can't let it stay too cool because it won't burn out the impurities." And he's gone. And I said, "'And you have to keep it in the hottest part of the fire, "'and you've got to keep your eyes on it the whole time.'" He's like, I'm like, so you stay with it? He's like, yeah, and I'm like, "'And when it's ready, you know it's done "'because you can see your reflection in it.'" And he said, "'Yeah, you know when it's done "'because the silver will dance in the crucible.'" So y'all, can we give a round of applause for our good lord and our Queen Mother, please? Thank you for having us. Oh, thank you. Thank
0: you. mary m-a-r-y until the next time may god bless you